Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. so very much for stopping by the channel once again today. This is episode 409 for your Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I am JD from New York, and this is Off the Script. Man, oh man, oh man, do we got a lot to talk about today, man. This Shane McMahon story is absolutely bonkers. It is out of control This Shane McMahon story, man. I woke up on Wednesday morning 
and I started to get the texts and I started to see all the social media chatter and I see the headline, Shane McMahon quietly let go by WWE, by his own father, Vince McMahon. Shane McMahon was seemingly fired after all of the dirt that was talked about in regards to Shane McMahon. He was fired from WWE. Let's be real. He was fired. In what sense was he fired? Was he fired as a WWE contracted performer? Was he fired as Shane McMahon, the executive? I I, I don't know. I don't know. We will talk about all of this today, man. This is one of the craziest stories in all of my time doing this podcast. One of the craziest stories that I've had the pleasure to report on. And we talked about this on Tuesday's episode 408. If you guys missed that, I'll leave you guys a link and an annotation right at the top of the screen. Go and check that out, man. Very, very animated was I on that particular show. And really in defense of the WWE product, because not only did Shane McMahon sabotage, from what I read, the way I interpreted it, Shane McMahon sabotaged the Royal Rumble, but it's the McMahon family that is seemingly sabotaging WWE. Vince McMahon is sabotaging WWE. Today, we will go over all of the additional dirt. This stems way deeper than the Royal Rumble. We are going to go over everything that I found out today, and I have all of the great sources in the community all kind of gathered into one big story. And we're going to go over exactly why Vince McMahon fired his own son. Like I said, this runs deeper than the Royal Rumble. Why exactly did Vince McMahon fire his own son? And is anybody safe in the WWE? Everybody thinks, oh, he got rid of Triple H. Triple H really doesn't mean much of anything. We talked about how influential Triple H has been to the Royal Rumble in previous years. This was left to Shane McMahon. And Triple H's absence was felt at Royal Rumble. But why did this happen? Is anybody safe? Triple H is gone. Shane McMahon seemingly fired. Everybody's like, oh, WWE's never going to fire Shawn Michaels. Nobody's safe. This one move with Vince McMahon removing Shane McMahon from World Wrestling Entertainment will have a long-lasting effect on World Wrestling Entertainment. We're going to talk about that today on episode 409. I also got news on Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. I hope you guys don't fall asleep because it's already making me sleepy talking about it. Nobody's interested in it for WrestleMania. And we're going to talk about Ronda, how that match is seemingly all but confirmed by WWE. They're the only ones that have not confirmed it. We'll find out hopefully tomorrow night on Friday Night SmackDown. There's no reason for this to be dragged out anymore. And why it all sucks. Ronda Rousey being back on WWE television does nothing for anybody, man. There's absolutely little to zero excitement about Ronda winning the Royal Rumble and then going on to challenge Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Also, I got backstage news on Mustafa Ali. The free Ali hashtag is still out there and growing strong. WWE will not release Mustafa Ali. And there were plans for Ali in the Royal Rumble. And I have news on that as well as how long his contract is with World Wrestling Entertainment. Seemingly, they don't want to release him because of the time there. And the word being thrown around is that there's a lot of value there 
in Ali? Where? If WWE found value in Ali, that value would be on Friday Night SmackDown every single week because their roster right now is anything but valuable. It's pretty much dead. And Ali could be a great hand on Friday night. We will go over that and everything else you guys need today right here on Off The Script. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go and hit that thumbs up. We need 1,000 likes minimum. The last episode we talked about Shane McMahon, we did two thousand likes you guys went above and beyond and gave me a minimum of two i'm asking for one can we get a thousand likes on this video today make sure you guys go and hit that thumbs up if you missed anything else on the channel monday night raw i missed nxt because i would have rather catch up on my sleep than sit here live on tuesday night in front of 500 people that don't give a shit about NXT, so we didn't do an NXT review. I was back on Wednesday, though, for Dynamite. MJF and CM Punk, epic match last night on AEW Dynamite, and we had the extra, or not really the extra, but uh, episode 408, the extra content on Tuesday. We did episode 408 of the podcast Tuesday afternoon, so there's a ton of stuff on the homepage right now. If you guys missed any of it, go and check it out. More off the script is always great for every single person listening right here on the channel. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use code JD at checkout to get yourself a free sample. All you have to do is pay $5. Shipping and handling. Blue Chew wants you to try their service for free. Valentine's Day is coming up. Why not, man? You guys want that extra confidence when it matters, when it counts. Then Blue Chew is your go-to, man. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use code JD at checkout for your F-R-E-E sample. That is free sample. And I want to thank them for once again being a great family member right here. Uh, listen, man, we talk about VIPs. Blue Chew's a VIP right here on the podcast. BlueChew.com. Thank you so very much to those guys for sponsoring today's episode 409 of the podcast. Let's start at the top, man. We got some exciting stuff happening because as you guys are aware, WWE's latest rounds of cuts. This happened back in November. Everybody from the November class is now a free agent. Several ex-WWE stars are now free agents. These were the men and women released on November 4th. WWE released several main roster and NXT stars from their contracts And the company cited budget cut reasons. Sure. Sure it was. I also read a report today that WWE is claiming, or there there are reports claiming that WWE will announce $1 billion in the quarterly revenue earnings conference calls coming up this month. No, but budget cuts. That's all they care about. Ruining the livelihoods of everybody else and ruining television because they want to chime in to the investors. Hey! $1 billion in earnings for this quarter. Yes, please. Maybe it's about time I buy WWE stock. Maybe. Anyway, the November 4th quote-unquote class is now all free to do what they please. These stars include Karrion Cross. He's going by Killer Cross. Nia Jax. Keith Lee. Mia Yim. 
Ember Moon, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Oni Lorkin, Gren Metalik, and Lindsay Dorado, the Lucha House Party. Eva Marie. She'll go nowhere, and nobody wants Eva Marie. I, I doubt anybody has interest in Eva Marie. Frankie Monet, a.k.a. Taya Valkyrie, B-Fab, Scarlett Bordeaux, Trey Baxter, Jesse Kamea, Jeet Rama, Zeta Ramir, and Katarina Cortez. Those were the people released on November 4th. Now, some of those names have been in and around the indies doing work. I know Trey Baxter, he was on the GCW show from the Hammerstein Ballroom. So I think all the NXT guys and all the NXT girls that were released, they had 30-day WWE non-competes, and that's what the NXT contract states, 30-day non-compete. Everybody else that was a part of the main roster, you got 90 days. So, you know, the likes of Cross and Keith Lee and Nia Jax, Ember Moon possibly, because I do think that she was a main roster WWE superstar. Then she got moved to NXT. I don't think they really changed the contract there, so I do think that her non-compete was 90 days instead of the 30 uh, Grandma Talik, Lindsay Dorado, they all had, you know, 90 days, Eva Marie. And I, I believe B-Fab just signed the new WWE deal before they let her go. She had to wait 90 days for her contract to be up. What, what a shitty situation that was. You were in NXT. You were doing the whole hit road thing with everybody there. You were an NXT superstar with an NXT contract, 30 days. They bring you up. You got all these aspirations and all the hype around hit row. She signs a new deal. One week after they signed BFAB to a new deal, they let her go. She had a 90-day non-compete. How sad is that? That is awful. So some of these names, 30, some of these uh, names, 90 days. Karrion Cross and Keith Lee, two of the biggest names on this list. Mia Yim, obviously, everybody wants to see her go somewhere and do something because she was in purgatory in WWE. Ember Moon is another name. I do envision most of these names going to AEW. Keith Lee, AEW. Mia Yim, possibly AEW. Ember Moon, AEW. Ember Moon and Mia Yim could add such great value to the AEW women's division. Then you got Tony Storm, who I believe is under a 30-day, maybe. It might be 30 days. I'm not sure. I read somewhere that Tony Storm was 30 instead of 90. I have to backtrack on that and see what's going on with that. She's probably going to end up at AEW as well. AEW's women's division is going to look so different compared to what it looked like a year ago, six months ago. Look at all the talent coming in that's really going to make that division. It could make the division the best in North America. I'm very excited about that. To add to the already great talent that they got over there in Serena Deeb, Britt Baker, Chris Statlander, Jade Cargill, Red Velvet, Riho. It's going to be great. Jamie Hayter. That women's division is going to be stacked. Stacked. It's unbelievable how one year, one year, everybody's clamoring for women's wrestling on AEW. This is it. I want to see people complain after Tony Khan brings in all of these ladies to really bolster that division. He's going to have the best women's division in all of North America. NXT wrestlers only had 30 days, like I mentioned. Those expired in December, I believe. Scarlett. And Taya, they were working, I believe, uh, other projects. So she could do uh, her Scarlet. That mean, I mean, by that, Scarlet was doing some photo shoots and whatnot. I believe Taya Valkyrie was actually uh, working uh, on the independent scene as well. So, you know, the NXT talent had it easy there. 
30 days. It's the 90 days that is just ridiculous. So I'm very excited to see where Keith Lee and Cross ends up. Cross just released a, a great vignette uh, about what he's going to be doing. We don't know where he's going to end up. I know he's teasing himself in Chicago and he's teasing himself doing this and that. I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to where he takes his extension of the character that he had in NXT and, and kind of molds it into something new and fresh and exciting on the independent circuit. There was a rumor he was going to be working with Strowman and EC3 in their Create Your Own Narrative uh, storyline there. So it's going to be interesting where these guys end up. But but my, my number one here out of this class, number one and two probably, Keith Lee and Ember Moon. Those two are going to be huge difference makers for their respective divisions in AEW. So it's going to be a very interesting situation uh, with all these names now on the official free agent market. So I'm very much looking forward to that. WWE is already thinking about WrestleMania 39 next year in Los Angeles. We, we haven't even gotten to Dallas, Texas yet. WWE is already talking about WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles. WrestleMania 39 will take place on April 2nd in SoFi Stadium. We don't know if it's going to be a two-night event or not. It could be April 1st, Saturday, and April 2nd, Sunday. We don't know yet. WWE likes to... Uh, withhold that information when they have a better idea of what to do with a stadium that large. Clearly, if they could do it in Dallas, they could do it in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Ringside News has asked around about the report that Ronda Rousey's Mania 23 opponent is already set. WWE already has Ronda Rousey locked in to a WrestleMania 2023 main event. So, Ronda Rousey is reportedly, right now, penciled in to take on Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles. Now, Rinkside News has been told that the plan has been discussed, but it is seemingly going to head in that direction. Nothing is locked in as of this point. Nothing is locked in. That's why I said it was penciled in. You don't really concrete something in pencil. Anything can change at any given moment in WWE. Nothing is officially locked in with these people. They don't even know what the fuck they're doing on Monday. Never mind WrestleMania 39 next year. Everything is all an idea. It's a thought bubble. Ringside News was told that it will probably be Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 39. Nothing is set in stone, but the question was asked in return, who else can draw top money outside of Ronda versus Charlotte? I don't even think Ronda versus Charlotte is going to draw top money. That being said, it is not quote-unquote planned. I don't know what that means. It obviously is planned. Seemingly, the only way that we get Becky and Ronda is because with Charlotte doing what she's doing with Ronda, it, it almost seemingly means that it is going to be planned. You are not going to do Ronda and Charlotte and then not do Ronda and Becky. It's fucking ridiculous. It absolutely is planned. The fact that you have Charlotte and Ronda planned right now at WrestleMania this year, that's the going word. You automatically plan Becky and Ronda because there's no other show where that match is going to take place. None. You're not going to do it in Money in the Bank. You're not going to do it at SummerSlam. If Charlotte is main eventing, Becky is main eventing next year. If Becky main events this year with Ronda, Charlotte's going to get it next year. 
But I do think WWE wants to hold off on it. And I think the one big factor there is this match with Becky and Ronda doesn't necessarily need the title. It doesn't necessarily need the Raw Women's Championship. So we will see what happens there. But uh, it is absolutely planned. And that is because Charlotte more than likely is getting Ronda this year. And there's no fucking way you don't do Becky and Ronda next year at WrestleMania. So moving on with the rest of the story here, that's planned for WrestleMania. The other match that WWE is planning, and you guys know this already, another match being discussed for WrestleMania 39 is Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Now, we don't know if that's going to be for the Universal Championship or not. Rock doesn't really need to wrestle for the championship. Roman shouldn't really be losing the championship, so I don't know where WWE goes with that. They could absolutely have Roman lose the championship at WrestleMania this year. We don't know what their plan is. Roman could lose the championship at some point this year. The thing is, who is it going to be, and is it going to be beneficial to that individual? I hope they have a plan in place if they do want to take the title off Roman Reigns because if they don't have a plan, they seemingly have wasted 500-plus days of our time. Now, we were told here at Ringside News that while it is being talked about, it is not definite by any means. It only makes perfect sense for Rock's in-ring return to take place in Los Angeles. And that means not only is Rock and Hollywood synonymous, he's the biggest Hollywood actor in the world right now, he lives out there, and it would obviously be the last major money-making opportunity for WWE and partnering with The Rock. There's nobody bigger, as far as storyline is concerned, that Rock should be coming back for. This has Hollywood spotlight all over it. This makes perfect sense. And I honestly think next year, if The Rock wants to do it, WWE wanted to give him time to finish his other things this year, they are giving him more than enough time to get ready for WrestleMania next year and clear his schedule. He's got to be on TV. He's got to build it four weeks, five weeks, however is uh, however long is needed. WWE has given him enough time. If it doesn't happen next year, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I personally would love to see it because this entire Tribal Chief, Head of the Table storyline, family bloodline storyline, it obviously centers around The Rock. So we will see that hopefully come to a conclusion in Los Angeles with Roman Reigns. Uh, Anything can happen between now and then. Things could happen. Rock could get injured on a set. Ronda Rousey could get injured in a WWE match this year. Nobody knows what's going to happen, but these are the preliminary plans for WWE going into WrestleMania 39 next year. It's amazing how they're already thinking about next year, and they don't have any fucking concrete plans for this year's WrestleMania. Speaking of WrestleMania, Bad Bunny, we don't know if he will be at WrestleMania this year. He was already in the Royal Rumble and was a part of the final field of competitors in the Royal Rumble, which is quite sad in its own right, but that's how awful the Royal Rumble was this year. Now, he was at the Royal Rumble, so in my eyes, that means that WWE kind of wants to do a redo with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania this year. Bad Bunny was one of the surprise entrants in the men's Royal Rumble match. It's almost as if it was whatever. You know, he he ran down the aisle. Oh, my God, Bad Bunny's here. It's like Bad Bunny and WWE's relationship now is kind of expected. 
So it wasn't really a, a big surprise. It, it didn't come off as a big surprise to me. I don't know if it came off as a big surprise to everybody else watching. But he came in at number 27. He did some spots. He did a destroyer in the match. He looked pretty decent. He was holding on to the bottom rope like a spider monkey, a.k.a. one of Bobby Heenan's vintage lines in the Royal Rumble on commentary back in the 90s. And he did a good job for his time in there. It was reported earlier in the week that Bad Bunny was expected to be at the show and a photo of him with The Undertaker backstage came out before the Royal Rumble. WWE was also selling news that Bad Bunny uh, and merchandise at the venue was one of the highest selling t-shirts at the venue in St. Louis during the night of the Royal Rumble. So WWE touted that the Royal Rumble numbers did better than any other Royal Rumble in its previous history. 35 years, the number one selling Royal Rumble of all time, including ticket sales and merchandise. Whatever the case may be, WWE can tout all they want about this being the greatest and that being the best. This was one of the worst Royal Rumble shows of the modern era. Following the appearance of Bad Bunny, there's been speculation as to whether WWE has plans for Bunny at WrestleMania 38. Now, as mentioned on the Royal Rumble broadcast, he is set to do a two-sold-out tour. So this is two sold-out tours over the next few months, including concerts in Miami on April 2nd and April 3rd. These are the same dates as WrestleMania 38. So clearly, if he's in Miami on April 2nd and April 3rd, he will not be at WrestleMania this year. Wrestling fans and, you know, people who don't really watch wrestling tuned in to watch Bad Bunny and have praised Bad Bunny for his work. The roster even went out and vouched for Bad Bunny. People like Damian Priest and The Miz and some legends out there praising Bad Bunny and his work ethic for not really taking it and using it as a stepping stone for himself or doing it just for the sake of doing it. He got in there and learned the wrestling just background. He, he learned how to take a bump. He learned how to run the ropes. He learned how to do moves. He went in it as if he was actually training to be a WWE superstar. That I can appreciate. Some of these Hollywood actors, some of these singers, these musical artists, they come in, they get in the ring, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. He didn't really look out of place. I can appreciate that because it's not an easy thing to do. He went in there, he learned, he embraced it, and he gave a decent performance. WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. So that's two in a row. And if Bad Bunny wants to make an appearance in a Royal Rumble or Bad Bunny wants to do a match at WrestleMania, I'm not going to really complain like I did when I complained when I didn't see him wrestle or didn't know what he was going to do. I'm okay with him in there. I really am. And it's very innocent. It's good It's good for WWE. It's good for Bad Bunny. So I don't mind it at all. But he won't be at WrestleMania. So I think everybody excited about Bad Bunny potentially being at WrestleMania, maybe to do a do-over for what he did last year at WrestleMania. 25,000 people filling Raymond James Stadium, about one-third of its capacity. Maybe WWE wanted to do a redo this year in Dallas. That won't be happening because he will be on tour that Mania weekend, April 2nd and April 3rd. So if you're expecting Bad Bunny at Mania, he's not going to be there. Now, let's get into the, uh, the heart of what we're talking about here, man. Shane McMahon. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like I said, I woke up on Wednesday morning and I had all these reports, texts, Shane McMahon gone, Shane McMahon fired, Vince fired Shane. Shane McMahon was reportedly sent home by WWE Wednesday morning. Now, I don't know if this actually was something that happened Wednesday morning. I don't know if it happened immediately on Sunday morning after the Royal Rumble. I I don't know. But Shane McMahon was sent home by WWE. What does that mean? That means Shane McMahon, in my eyes, when I read that, was fired by his own father. So Shane McMahon, let's do some backtracking here. Shane McMahon was one of the main producers for the Royal Rumble. Shane McMahon was arguing with Jamie Noble about the Royal Rumble. Ideas were shot down. Shane McMahon reportedly sabotaged the Royal Rumble and wanted to build it around himself. So much so that Shane McMahon was a part of the Final Four with Bed Bunny, Drew McIntyre, and Brock Lesnar. Reports came out Sunday that the locker room had massive heat on Shane McMahon, where people who don't really complain have finally spoken up and complained about what happened and what transpired at the Royal Rumble on Saturday night. And I'm glad. Shane McMahon is not somebody that should be given top priority in a Royal Rumble. And I talked about this. I don't know why he did what he did. I don't. I don't necessarily know if it's true or not. It could all be really embellished. Am I surprised? No. Do I think it happened? Yes, I do. For one reason or another, Shane could be just like Vince and not give a shit about the roster. Shane could have used this to maybe get back at his father and ruin the Royal Rumble and really get the road to WrestleMania started on the wrong foot. I I don't know. But Vince clearly gave Shane McMahon the keys to the kingdom for building the Royal Rumble the way it should be built. It failed. The one noticeable absence in this case was Triple H. Triple H had influence over the last couple of Royal Rumbles, And those Royal Rumbles were pretty decent. As far as the Royal Rumble is concerned, it hasn't been good for many years. But Triple H and his influence the last couple of years have brought the Royal Rumble back to being a solid match. That is what was missing from this year's Royal Rumble. I don't think Shane McMahon would have argued with Triple H if Triple H was there spearheading the producing and the creative of the Royal Rumble. Moments that were made to be special were not there anymore because Triple H added that nice little touch. The psychology of the Royal Rumble match from somebody that's been in a ton of them and won Royal Rumble matches himself, that psychology, that feeling was missing. You're not going to get that from a Shane McMahon. You're not going to get that from a Jamie Noble. You're not going to get that from anybody else 
on that writing team, uh, 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 Joseph Park. You're not going to get that from a Jason Jordan or whoever was whoever else was a part of this thing. You're not. That's what was missing. And I find it to be so hilarious because they want to get rid of Triple H. They want to remove his power. They want to give Shane McMahon the producing roles to the Royal Rumble. And you're looking at something that I've talked about for months. Everybody wants to remove Triple H from power. I'm not praising Triple H for what he did in the past. I'm praising Triple H for the body of work that he's done with everybody that he's worked with, roster and management team alike. I don't think I've heard one bad thing about Triple H working with anybody. Roster, management, creative. I haven't heard one bad thing about Triple H at all. They wanted to remove that. Now, I find it very funny how they wanted to remove that, and Vince wanted to remove that because of whatever reason, a plethora of reasons, jealousy, pettiness. Triple H was doing a better job than Vince and his team with NXT than what Vince and his team was doing on the main roster. I don't know. I don't know. But the thing is, Triple H is now continuously in the right, even even now after his removal of power. I find that to be... So hilarious. Triple H is winning after he was removed from power, and everybody that wanted to remove him from power are really exposing that fact. They're not as good as they think they are. They're not as smart as they think they are. They're not in with it right now on what WWE needs. Triple H was exactly what WWE needed. And if you need a backtracking of... Whatever, information, a resume, look at what he did with NXT. The hottest brand in all of the sport. A WWE product. We all looked at NXT and we all looked at that as what we want WWE to be. Everything changed and now it is no more. Triple H being there was heavily missed. That was one of the most glaring things in this entire report. Ringside News is reporting exclusively. They spoke to a tenured member of the creative team and said that writers were told in a semi-quiet way that there will be no more creative discussions about Shane McMahon. He was supposed to be on Monday Night Raw as a regular TV character. He was supposed to work the Elimination Chamber. And he was supposed to be in a program at WrestleMania. I don't know what he was going to be doing at the Elimination Chamber. What I read is he was supposed to be in the Elimination Chamber WWE title match. I don't get how you have a main event scene on Monday Night Raw and you opt to put Shane McMahon in the WWE title Elimination Chamber match. I don't understand that. Shane McMahon is not to be brought back to television to be wrestling for the WWE title. Do you realize how that makes the WWE look? Do you realize how that makes whoever he's in the ring with look? Do you realize how that makes creative look? Do you realize how that makes the WWE title look? It's a fucking embarrassment. It is criminal to do that when you have the roster of talent you have at the top On Monday Night Raw, Edge, Lashley, Priest, Balor, Styles, Owens. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Seth Rollins. No, but you want Shane McMahon in the fucking Royal Rumble. They have now moved on to other creative decisions. 
Whether or not that includes Shane McMahon, I don't know. The term blackballed has not been used, but Vince McMahon is quietly using the term let go to describe Shane McMahon. Vince McMahon's son has not been an employee of WWE for a long time. We were told that he was supposed to be involved in the XFL, then COVID hit and XFL went into bankruptcy. Shane McMahon has not been a WWE employee since he's been back. Vince McMahon also had no choice but to take this action against his own son. Vince had no choice. Shane created chaos, had everyone in an uproar, pissed off everyone in the Royal Rumble, openly buried other producers, and was changing things around that Vince wanted. Vince had no other choice but to send him home. I don't know what this line means. Was changing things Vince wanted. This is a very vague line in this report. Changing what Vince wanted. I really wish that we could have something that embellished on that. This is uh, according to Ringside News and the tenured member of the writing team that reached out to them. Changing what Vince McMahon wanted. Did he change what Vince McMahon wanted because he thought what Vince wanted was bad? Or did he change it in a way to spite his father and put himself over, actively making it worse? I don't know. And kind of building the original report, building the Royal Rumble around himself. I would love to know what he changed. What Vince had in there and what Shane changed. Did he make it better? Was he for the product? Was he for the match being better? Was he for the creative being better? Or did he change it because it didn't include enough Shane McMahon? I'm very curious to know. So, as a result, original plans for Shane have now been scrapped. McMahon has not been an employee of WWE since he left in 2009. He returned in 2016, but he was only used as an on-screen talent. So, that's very interesting in regards to this situation. He has not been an employee of WWE, so if he was quietly let go, that means he was ultimately fired from being an on-screen character of WWE, and he hasn't been an employee of WWE. He doesn't have a contract. He's not making money. WWE's not paying him. So he's not an employee since 2009, and he's been off TV since, I guess, well, last year since we've seen Raw Underground. He was on-screen character only. It's amazing. So he's fired. Shane McMahon has been fired by WWE. As for the Rumble match itself... Even Booker T, the the, the king of shills, even Booker T criticized the match for its lack of organic surprises. Brock Lesnar winning the match was also seen as a controversial decision. According to Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Live, WWE is very well aware of the fact that Royal Rumble was not up to the mark and will make sure to do it better next year. You'll be pleased to know, says Alvarez, I'm not the only one who thought the Men's Royal Rumble was boring. They are very well aware that the Men's Royal Rumble was boring, and their plan is to make sure next year it's not boring. End quote. I don't know how they plan on doing that. I don't really know what their plan of attack is going to be. I doubt this will mean anything. If WWE says something, I don't believe it until I actually see something that proves otherwise. WWE, Vince, Bruce, and all of Vince McMahon's team changed, according to sources, the script 20 times over in the span of 48 hours leading to the Royal Rumble. Nobody knew 
what they were doing when they ran through that curtain and out to the ring to a point where they didn't even know who they were eliminating when they got out there or who was eliminating them. That's how bad it was. That's how chaotic it was, thanks to Vince McMahon. So the Shane McMahon situation, he got fired. Then we had others in the community reporting on more of what I wanted to know. Was it just stemming from the Royal Rumble? No. According to Wade Keller on PWTorch.com, he got the lowdown on everything. Shane apparently pushed back on Vince McMahon's raw and elimination chamber plans, and backstage issues were a problem long before the Royal Rumble. Wade Keller said this on his PW Torch podcast. Things really unraveled with him and his dad on Saturday. Things were not good according to what I heard. If you've been listening carefully to me in the last month or two, you would have gotten the impression that there was little chance Shane would have been at the Royal Rumble this weekend or in WWE's plans. I was pretty surprised when he showed up and then there were reports that he was going to be in storyline that would weave itself all the way till WrestleMania because of what I've been hearing about Shane's status in the company and his relationship with his dad in particular. So Shane was supposed to be a part of WrestleMania. Shane was going to be a part of WrestleMania. That much I know. Shane McMahon does not need to be at WrestleMania in a WWE title situation in the Elimination Chamber. Shane didn't even need to be in the Royal Rumble. If Vince wanted to use Shane and get him the McMahon token match at WrestleMania, there was only one thing that made sense to Shane McMahon, and that was in a match with Austin Theory. The writing is on the wall there. You don't need to do much of anything. Shane and Austin Theory would have been a great continuation of, well, I won't really say great, because I don't know where they're going with this Austin Theory, Vince McMahon dynamic on Monday Night Raw, but it would have been a a, a very good way to weave the Vince McMahon-Austin Theory storyline onto Shane McMahon, and it would be up to them to tell whatever story they need to tell. That would have been a good match for Shane McMahon, and would have been a great moment for Austin Theory. If Austin Theory is on a WrestleMania show against one of the McMahons, just by that headline alone, he's going to be doing great things. The future for Austin Theory is bright. You're not going to put anybody in the ring with Shane McMahon or a McMahon and not have it be something that they're thinking about along the lines of, this guy's going to be a big guy. This guy's going to be a big star. This guy's our future. Vince is not going to put... Austin Theory, of all people, in a match with Shane if he doesn't believe in Austin Theory. I mean, look at Shane McMahon's previous matches at WrestleMania. The Undertaker, AJ Styles. They believed at one point or another in Braun Strowman, right? They put him in the ring with people that they truly believe is going to be the future of the company. And Shane, I don't want to take anything away from Shane McMahon. We all know Shane McMahon for coming back in in, in WrestleManias and being there for WrestleMania season. He's always the the guy that's defying fucking logic, defying uh, these depth-defying acts, right? Jumping off cells and fucking doing coast-to-coasts and going through tables and all this other shit. He's a glorified stuntman. If Vince wants him to do something crazy, 
That's why he puts him on WrestleMania. It's always going to be a talked about moment with Shane McMahon. He's always going to do something out of this out of this realm of possibility, right? At 50 years old, Shane McMahon. I don't see why Shane and the WWE, Vince, and the McMahon family feel like that is necessary. In this case, it might be necessary with Austin Theory, but why are the McMahons taking a WrestleMania match and a WrestleMania spot away from active performers in that locker room that work all year for that spot? How, how do you think they feel coming back for uh, WrestleMania season, right? Oh, they're, they're working all, 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 these, all these days, all these weeks, all these months, being on the road with WWE. How do you think they feel when Shane McMahon comes back for, for two months and takes a WrestleMania spot away from them? Like nobody else wants to be in a match with Austin Theory. It couldn't be a Ricochet or uh, somebody else on that, on that roster. Why do we need the token McMahon match? At WrestleMania, is this their mentality? Is this what they're thinking about for WrestleMania? I thought WrestleMania was supposed to be from top to bottom the best fucking card all year. But why are we still getting Shane McMahon, token McMahon matches on WrestleMania night? Nobody wants to see that. After the embarrassment last year with Braun Strowman, you want to see more Shane McMahon on television? You want to see more Shane McMahon in the ring at WrestleMania? It's fucking passe. It's old. It's a tired concept. 20 years ago, it was cool. Now it's not. Nobody wants to see Shane McMahon in fucking WWE competing for world titles and competing at WrestleMania against top-tier talent on the roster. Nobody asked for it. So why are you giving it to us? Does Vince truly think that's going to make WrestleMania better? Because the McMahon name is on the card? What about the fucking talent that you're actively paying to do nothing? If you showed that much effort to Shane McMahon, you could do the same thing for a Ricochet or a Priest or an Ali or anybody on that roster that hasn't been given a a fucking opportunity. So, Wade Keller continues. With this entire Shane McMahon thing, I'm surprised he showed up and he wanted to weave himself into all the WrestleMania plans because... What I've been hearing about Shane's status in the company is relationship with his dad in particular, okay? This was the last straw for a lot of people in WWE when it comes to Shane and his dad, of course, being the final decision maker on all fronts, Vince McMahon. So the story is, for the third year in a row, he was brought in to help produce the Royal Rumble. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. It's sort of a dad doing a favor to his son. Shane's creative ideas over the decades have been left at behind his back. I've reported that for decades. He was never seen as having a good creative mind in wrestling. That is carried over even into his 50s when trying to help produce the Royal Rumble. This was an unexpected sharp increase in disruptiveness in bad ideas on Saturday. From what I'm told directly from people there... He was really self-centered. It was all about him and his ideas, and he didn't get caught up on what the plans were for the match. He didn't know what was going on with television that was building to certain moments. He just pulled the McMahon card with the match producers, wanting things to be done his way, because why else would Shane O'Mac be brought in if not to basically dictate something, a major chapter involving him in the match, etc.? And so he did. 
And it got to a point where there were heated arguments with people who felt they could push back and a lot of stress and strife and distractions with everybody else because it was just chaos. There was a plan for the match. Shane was pushing back against producers who were simply trying to follow through on what Vince told them should be done in the match. And Shane just went overboard. If you look at the people that Shane was fighting in the ring during the Royal Rumble, that's what he was doing. That's who he wanted to be in the ring with, looking good against. I mean, two of the legit kind of badass guys in WWE, Otis with his background and Riddle with his background, and Shane punched away at them. Then Kevin Owens super kicked him twice and tried to toss him out, but Shane reversed him and tossed him over the top rope to eliminate Kevin Owens. Shane McMahon booked himself to come in late in the match. I don't remember what none, what the, what number he came in. Bad Bunny came in number 27. What was Shane McMahon? Number 28. He was already in there with Owens and Riddle, right? He went up against Riddle, who could probably break him in half just by staring at him. Otis, same thing. Brock Lesnar, he was in there with Drew McIntyre. He was in there with Bad Bunny. Shane McMahon put himself in the ring with a mixture of the most legit guys in the entire company and the biggest musical artist in the entire world. If you don't think that Shane McMahon sabotaged the Royal Rumble and booked the Royal Rumble around himself, then I don't know what you're reading or what you're listening to or who you're listening to. The report from Keller is correct. Look at who he was in the ring with exactly. And the one damning thing in this report is that Vince McMahon, and this is this is an indictment on Vince McMahon because this is how fucking clueless he is. And this is how little he cares about the actual TV product and his fucking locker room. He brought in Shane McMahon, and it could also be an indictment on Shane McMahon because I don't know why he wasn't open and honest with his father. He's being given the opportunity to produce the Royal Rumble and book the Royal Rumble match, and he doesn't have any fucking idea what's going on on television with Raw and SmackDown. He hasn't watched any of the shows, so he doesn't know the little ins and outs. He doesn't know who's feuding with who or what is being built up on television. Now, I know there really isn't anything much being built up on television, and if you miss one Monday Night Raw, it's not the end of the world. You can miss fucking six months of Monday Night Raw, and nothing will change. Maybe Shane McMahon feels the same way. But there are little things, and there are little feuds, and there are little ins and outs that you need to be aware of. Shane didn't know that. So why would Vince actively put Shane McMahon in that role knowing that his son was probably not watching the show at all for the duration of the entire year? He hasn't watched anything WWE related when they got rid of him after the Strowman match at WrestleMania last year. Why would he? Shane probably thinks like we do. The majority of what we see on television is fucking garbage. Why would I waste my time watching what my father is doing when I know my father's doing a piss poor job? It sounds like Shane McMahon absolutely sabotaged the Royal Rumble because he was the one with the magic pen. He booked himself a late entry and he booked himself to be in the ring and he booked himself to be in the ring with top names while eliminating somebody that he's had a long-winded feud with in Kevin Owens. It's almost as if he didn't have any regard for Kevin Owens at all. Kevin Owens signs a three-year new WWE contract extension and he's in the Royal Rumble and eliminated by Shane McMahon as if it was nothing. As if it was nothing. 
Same thing. Every single year with the neglect of this roster. I don't understand it. Keller added, and I quote, while all this is going on, Shane is sweating profusely. And this has been a thing for him recently, more than recently, where he's been just perspiring at concerning levels. Wait, Keller said. It's almost like just droplets are shooting out of his head and face. Probably got high blood pressure. Probably got terrible cardio. Working in WWE, would you expect anything less from Shane McMahon? Keller added that Shane was willing to put over Brock Lesnar, but things between Shane and Vince got really bad backstage. Oh, Shane was willing to put over Brock Lesnar. As if there needed to be any fucking discussion about who should go over. He's willing to put over Brock Lesnar. Almost coming off as he's a bigger star than Brock Lesnar in the WWE Universe. So this got Shane and Vince really heated backstage. Keller says, and I quote, So when it came time to put someone over, Shane was willing to put over Brock Lesnar. Not Matt Riddle. Not Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny shouldn't have even been there that late in the match. Not Brock Lesnar, not, or not, uh, not Matt Riddle, not Otis, not Kevin Owens, not an AJ Styles. Nobody on the active roster that could use a bump, right? He's not willing to put the roster over. He's willing to put Brock Lesnar over because it's Brock Lesnar, and everybody's going to be mauled by Brock Lesnar anyway. He was willing to put over Brock Lesnar. But the issue with Shane really got to the next level with Vince when it came to what was planned for Raw... And that Shane had real problems with how he was going to be framed as he was going to be put in the Elimination Chamber. Why? I don't know. Why would Shane be put into the Elimination Chamber? He hasn't been on fucking television. You're going to put him in the Elimination Chamber following a Royal Rumble match, right? How ridiculous would it have looked for Shane McMahon to come back Saturday at the Royal Rumble, show up on Raw, and automatically get put into the Elimination Chamber WWE title match. I mean, if that is not an indictment on the fucking creative and a slap in the face to the roster on Monday Night Raw, I don't know what is, man. This is what's going on behind the scenes in creative? Shane McMahon. So he didn't like how he was going to be framed. Elimination Chamber. So, Shane disagreed with what Vince wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. It was laid out to Shane what the plans were, and he did like it, and he pushed back a little, and this led to Vince finally gave uh, giving in and finally having enough and canceling all plans with Shane, and everything that they had planned for him went out the window. It went out the window. At this point, it's not clear if he was released from his talent contract, or if he was simply sent home. Keller said, I haven't been able to confirm that's, uh, or if this is an actual firing, because I'm not quite sure what Shane's status with the company is, or what the company is, in the sense that if he's there as an employee or relationship that could be canceled in traditional ways of firing. But the idea now is from what I'm hearing is he's not going to be part of WWE in any way on or off camera for the foreseeable future, which could span a very, very long time. Years. It's father's son. It's a family situation. Who knows? 
But because this has been festering for a while, and it's been an issue for a while, this isn't something that just surprised everybody, and it came out of nowhere Saturday. The feeling is that this really could be the last straw. And there could be a level of professional estrangement between Vince and Shane McMahon. I haven't found anybody who will defend Shane in terms of how he acted on Saturday. And quite honestly, there should be nobody defending Shane McMahon in this case. Keller also noted how all of the Shane is now all elite memes that were going around on Twitter. They were popping up on social media after the news of Shane being quote-unquote fired from WWE. Apparently, there are people in WWE who want Tony Khan to know what's going on with Shane McMahon, and if Tony Khan is going to consider signing Shane McMahon. At this point, there is no indication if there is any interest from Tony Khan and AEW about bringing in Shane McMahon. Keller says, yes, the fake meme graphics are out there saying Shane is elite. Tony Khan may or may not reach out to Shane. People in WWE are letting me know that someone should warn Tony Khan what he's in for if he brings Shane McMahon in. Because the sense of entitlement, and I don't know if ego is the right word, that Shane would bring along with him in a company that isn't WWE would probably be amplified compared to how he was acting on Saturday, which was just basically out of control. This story is, is fucking out of control, man. Out of control. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know why Shane did what he did. I don't. I don't know why somebody would come in and actively bury the entire roster and want everything to be built around himself going into the Royal Rumble. I don't know why anybody would even think it is a feasible fucking option have Shane McMahon in the Elimination Chamber WWE title match with Bobby Lashley and all those other guys that are in there challenging for the WWE Championship after we've seen him at the Royal Rumble on Saturday, and that was the only time we've seen him since he lost to Strowman at WrestleMania. Why would anybody think that's a good idea? Now, WWE wanted him to be in the Chamber. They had plans for the Chamber. They had plans for WrestleMania. Why would anybody think of this being a better idea than putting Shane in a match with Austin Theory. That was the only thing that should have been talked about. Shane McMahon should have come in and done the deed for Austin Theory. But Shane McMahon was willing to put over Brock Lesnar and not anybody else in the Royal Rumble. Now, I'd love to know what Vince wanted and what Shane argued about. That's the part we don't know. But there was arguing going back and forth. If Shane's ideas were as bad as everybody says they are, good. Good. On one hand, good. On the other hand, I don't know how much worse it could be from what we're getting now. Maybe Shane McMahon's ideas would be a breath of fresh air. Horrible, but a breath of fresh air. That makes me wonder, going back to Raw Underground, why did Raw Underground come back? It was all about Shane McMahon. They didn't highlight any talent. Do you remember anybody from that show? Do you remember anybody from those segments outside Omos being the fucking doorman? Do you remember what was going on in that ring? Do you remember anybody standing around pretending that it was fucking Fight Club? 
The only thing you remember are the fucking girls dancing and Omos being the doorman. Shane McMahon booked Raw Underground. Raw Underground was a Shane McMahon idea, and it goes back to this story. You can backtrack all the way to that. Shane McMahon was booking the Rumble around himself. Shane McMahon wanted to be a top proponent for this year's WrestleMania plans. Shane McMahon was the creator, and the idea of Raw Underground came from Shane McMahon. He did that to get himself on television and be a bigger proponent on television than anybody else that you would have watched on Monday night. Shane wanted you to remember Raw Underground more than anything else that happened on the show. Shane McMahon wanted you to remember Shane McMahon instead of WWE pushing a top program or pushing a new star. If this is the attitude, and if this is what was going on for years apparently, then good. Then good. Vince McMahon fired his own son. He wasn't an employee. He wasn't working in Stanford. He was working as an on-air talent. Gone. Shane McMahon will not be brought back to WWE after this latest stunt. But the question is, and Russell Votes raised this question, or raised this statement in a tweet, Shane McMahon being let go, fired, however you want to coin it, is going to have long-lasting effects that I don't think anybody realizes on WWE and the future of the company. If Vince McMahon was so quick to fire his own son, then that means nobody else is safe. Look at what he did to his son-in-law. Look at what he did to Paul Levesque. Paul Levesque is married into the family. He's married to Stephanie McMahon. They have three children and a beautiful life together. They both work for Vince McMahon. If Vince McMahon is as cutthroat as he is and did what he did to Triple H, which is absolutely the case, and got everybody on his team on board to remove Triple H from power, and the heart attack is only the thing that you're hearing about, right? If they could do that to Triple H, what makes you think that anybody is safe? Then we hear about this fucking story with Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon's fired. If Vince McMahon could rid the WWE of his son-in-law and his actual son. Why would anybody think anybody else in the company is safe? Everybody's like, oh, WWE would never get rid of Shawn Michaels. Of course they would. If you think Vince McMahon is out here firing his own son and Shawn Michaels is safe, you might be the dumbest fucking idiot. Roman Twitter. Shawn Michaels and everybody else is the same. Shane McMahon, Triple H, they're all in the same boat. Nobody is safe. So Vince McMahon has actively removed Triple H. Everybody was like, at one point or another, Triple H is going to take over WWE. Triple H is going to be the savior of WWE. You know it. I know it. Everybody talked about it. We all talked about it. Shane McMahon was another one. Shane McMahon is the cooler McMahon. Shane McMahon gets us. He's the younger McMahon. He's more in tune with what we want and what we need and what WWE should be about youth, right? Clearly not. Shane McMahon isn't about youth. Shane McMahon isn't about us. Shane McMahon clearly doesn't know what WWE needs. Shane McMahon wants to make WWE the Shane McMahon show. Shane McMahon entertainment. No. Vince has fired Triple H. All but fired. He's fired his own son. Why? Why has Vince McMahon done this? Vince McMahon 
He trusts Nick Khan more than anything. Than anything. He trusts Nick Khan more than his own family when it comes to WWE. When, when Vince is gone, Nick Khan will be taking over the company. Nick Khan will be the man in charge in WWE in all aspects of world wrestling entertainment. The reason why Vince fired Shane, you could look at it on a surface level with this Royal Rumble nonsense and everything creatively that has happened over the years. You could look at it on that type of level. Vince fired Shane, and I said this before, and you should not be surprised if I'm saying this again. Vince fired Shane because Vince would rather the company be in the hands of somebody not named McMahon to do what he would do with the company. Vince is thinking about when he goes, and Vince is not walking amongst the living anymore. Vince would rather the company be run by a non-McMahon and be it run the same way he would run it if he was alive than have Triple H, Stephanie, or Shane McMahon, or anybody in the McMahon family run it and have it be different. Because you gotta think, and I don't know Vince from a fucking hole in the wall, but I see what I see and I hear what I hear, and I read what I read. I don't need to be. I don't need to meet Vince McMahon or sit in a meeting with Vince McMahon to know what I'm dealing with. I see it. I hear it. I know exactly how the people he works with operate. Vince would rather the company be in the hands of a non-McMahon than have it be in the McMahon family because if Triple H was in charge, he'd do it better. Now, after reading this, I don't know if Shane would do it better. But Triple H is the main guy that everybody wanted to take over WWE with the way he handled NXT perfectly, brilliantly. It's the best thing in all of pro wrestling. That's what Vince wants to do. Vince has entrusted Nick Khan so much. Nick Khan is ingrained in the WWE product. He's not only the president of WWE, he is now in charge of making WWE more money than any time in their history. Nick Khan has been backstage. Nick Khan knows the creative ins and outs. Nick Khan has been to the Performance Center. Look at how they dismantled NXT. All it took was one meeting with Nick Khan and Bruce Prichard at the Performance Center, and that was it. The NXT that we knew was gone like a fucking hurricane. It took NXT and killed it. You don't think Nick Khan is going to do the same thing with WWE? He's going to take what Vince McMahon has already applied to current WWE and going to run it the same way that Vince McMahon has run it for the next fucking 50 years. The days of you and I wanting WWE to be more than what it is, better than what it is, it's not going to happen. Those days, those fantasies, those dreams, they're never going to become a reality. Vince does not want to be in the grave knowing that his family, Triple H specifically, is running WWE better as far as fan excitement. And fan emotion. He doesn't want Triple H to run WWE better than he has run it. He's going to put people in place and get people in the places they need to be to run the company the same way he's running it now when he's dead. That's the reason. And the firing of Shane McMahon only embellished that fact. Only embellished 
that fact. It's sad. And honestly, it's a sad day. Because Nick Khan, he's no better than the people working backstage on Vince McMahon's nutsack. He's no better. He's not. He, he doesn't have our best interest at heart. He never did, never will. Now, there's one little conspiracy theory thing I'm going to throw out there to you guys. I'm going to lay it up for you. And I don't think this is the case at all, but it should be talked about. It creates some good discussion in the comment section. What if WWE fired? What if Vince fired Shane McMahon as a ploy, as a little, a little throw the bait on the line and fucking uh, reel it in, right? Put, put, put it in the river and see, see what bites. What if Vince fired Shane McMahon as a inside job to see if Tony Khan would actually bring in a Shane McMahon to AEW? Maybe he thinks if Tony Khan is signing everybody else, maybe we'll lure my son out there. Maybe Tony Khan would be interested in bringing in a McMahon to be an executive for AEW and give Shane McMahon the opportunity to work towards some sort of power in the company and then kill it from within and do things at a level in which he would be at at some point and do things that would actively harm the company. Is that a possibility? I've seen that being thrown around here and there. I figured I would raise the discussion. You know, I love talking about stuff like that because, you know, it was the same situation with the Jeff Hardy thing. What if? What if Jeff was in, you know, he was just tired. He walked walked into the crowd and said, enough is enough. I hate this fucking place. I don't want to be here. Goodbye. And contemplated just thinking and said, you know what? I'm going to act on it. Let's go. And walk out of the fucking arena. I don't want to be here anymore. And actively got himself terminated. Because he knew how WWE would react if something like that was done, right? They would automatically go, oh, Jeff is uh, Jeff's a junkie again. Jeff is under the influence again. So who's to say that Vince didn't fire Shane just to kind of bait Tony Khan into signing a McMahon to AEW? Do I think Tony Khan is that stupid? No. We don't want any WWE managerial influence in AEW. I, I don't think that's the case at all. But listen. It could be a very, very interesting topical discussion if you guys want to embellish on that. This Shane McMahon story is fucking ridiculous, man. It really is. The Royal Rumble was in shambles. The Royal Rumble is one of the worst I've ever seen. And it it just goes to show you how little they actually care about the fucking talent. The one thing, the one thing I hope for in this case is if the talent had the balls to speak up about Shane and finally... Speak up to management about Shane McMahon. Where's this same type of energy to Bruce? Where's this same type of energy to Vince? Are you showing those guys that same amount of energy you showed Shane McMahon and how displeased you were with Shane McMahon and how he booked the Royal Rumble? That's what I want to know. Now, does WWE have title plans in place for WrestleMania? According to Russell votes, they don't. Dave Meltzer also reported this and reported that Ronda Rousey will be challenging Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch more than likely would be going up against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. Those are the three matches right now penciled in for WrestleMania. But where does the WWE Championship sit? So, Russell Votes talked about this. There's no clear direction for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. In regards to Brock Lesnar winning the Rumble match, Russell Votes reported, and I quote, Lesnar had to be the winner here. I'm told they legitimately have no idea what the WWE title match at Manny is going to be at this point. Avoid the all pigeonhole, end quote. 
Big E seemed like a logical choice. Big E was beat by Brock Lesnar at day one, taken care of in the Royal Rumble, and be placed back in a tag team on SmackDown. That's exactly what they did to Big E. So they removed him from the main event scene. He will not be in the title discussion on Raw or on SmackDown for the foreseeable future. He was at one point a logical a logical opponent for Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, which I would have shit all over if they actually went and did that because that should have been the case with Bobby Lashley entering the WWE show at WrestleMania, entering that show, still WWE champion, and never losing it. He should have never lost it when he did to Big E. That would have been a logical choice there, Big E versus Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, but WWE doesn't have any long-term booking mentality. So Seth Rollins seems to be another possibility. And he was protected during his Roman Reigns match at the Royal Rumble. There's two months left, so who knows what WWE could be doing. Obviously, we'll know more at the Elimination Chamber. But the fact that Brock Lesnar's in there, Brock Lesnar's in there, it doesn't make any sense. He won the Rumble. He's getting SmackDown's uh, opportunity at the world title there. He's obviously challenging Roman Reigns. He said so. He's going to WrestleMania challenging Roman Reigns. Then he's put in the Elimination Chamber. You can't win the Royal Rumble and then get put in the Elimination Chamber and be factored into two uh, road to WrestleMania's here. So it doesn't make sense logically. He's there because it's Saudi. It's there because they requested him. They need big names for the show. They got to uphold their end of the deal, right? Lesnar's there for a payday. But the thing is, and this is another aspect that people aren't talking about, it also does seem like WWE has not figured out the WrestleMania plans. And the fact that Lesnar is in the Elimination Chamber kind of plays up to that. If WWE was set, on WrestleMania plans, then Lesnar wouldn't be in the Elimination Chamber. They'd have a one-on-one match with him and somebody else on the card and just specifically keep him to SmackDown and Roman Reigns feud only. But he's in the Elimination Chamber. The fact that he's there when he doesn't need to be, he shouldn't be, goes to show you that WWE doesn't have any solid plans for the WWE title. Because if he was there, if he wasn't there, then I would then I would be a little bit more. Um, I, I would say. I would be a little bit more understanding that WWE has some sort of plans. You don't need Lesnar in the Elimination Chamber for that. The fact that he's there shows me that WWE doesn't have any plans, and a decision is probably going to come down to day of, and then you'll know what WWE's plans are for the WWE title at WrestleMania. Moving on to the weekly ratings report here. Let's start with SmackDown. SmackDown on 128. The ratings took a dip for the final Royal Rumble bill, the go-home show for the Royal Rumble. WWE that night did 2.217 million viewers on Fox. That was down from the 2.255 million viewers the show did a week prior. In the 18-49 to demo, the show did a 0.56 rating. That was down from the 0.64 rating the show did just one week prior to that. Last week was the highest key demo the show had done since September 10th. This was the Royal Rumble Go Home Show edition of SmackDown. SmackDown, I I said this on my Monday Night Raw post show, uh, and I I will probably be reiterating this uh, quite often until the appropriate changes are made to SmackDown. SmackDown is worse than Raw. And and I don't really believe that uh, those words have flew out of my mouth, but uh, SmackDown is worse than Raw. It is absolutely unwatchable. Anything Roman Reigns related is fine. Anything after Roman Reigns, completely nauseating. And get ready, folks. It's going to be even worse. Ronda Rousey is going to is going to be officially a part of SmackDown. Ronda Rousey is going to be officially challenging Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Do you want to know why I know this? 
Meltzer said it, but you got to take everything that Meltzer says with a grain of salt these days. But WWE actually spoiled the match at WrestleMania between Ronda and Charlotte due to the advertising that has gone on before the show on Friday. At the end of Monday Night Raw this week, Ronda Rousey told Becky Lynch that she will make her WrestleMania decision on Friday night on SmackDown. The segment was designed to build suspense, right? But WWE tends to do these things every year, milk the fucking decision as if it's some big fucking deal. Just tell us. We'd rather know now instead of fucking waiting. Yeah, Ronda Rousey's going to show up on Monday Night Raw to announce who she's going to be challenging at WrestleMania. Then she tells Becky Lynch, I'll make my decision on Friday. Nobody wants to hear that. You wasted seemingly three hours of everybody's fucking time. I think that's a terrible move by WWE. Just announce the fucking match. Yes, I know you wanted Ronda and Becky on Monday, but having Ronda saying that she's going to announce something on Monday only to do it on Friday, you take people and you really treat them like shit at that point. Ronda should have only showed up on Friday. We didn't need Ronda on Monday. The segment was terrible. Lesnar was going to be there. That was more than enough to get us through Monday Night Raw. On top of that, they had some Elimination Chamber qualifying matches. Monday Night Raw wasn't as offensive as it has been. But with this Ronda Rousey situation, it's only going to get worse. The segment was designed to build somewhat of suspense for SmackDown to get viewers to tune in. WWE.com pretty much spoiled what Rousey's plans are going to be for WrestleMania. The arena websites are listing Rousey for almost all of the Friday night SmackDown shows leading up to WrestleMania. So normally WWE goes and throws out these advertisements and they send it to the venues that uh, they're going to be visiting on the road to WrestleMania. If Ronda Rousey was challenging Becky Lynch, why would she be showing up on SmackDown? So you got to look at this and say, well, yeah, it's all but confirmed by WWE. So Ronda being advertised for SmackDown and being on the road to WrestleMania on SmackDown side clearly indicates that she's challenging Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship and not Becky Lynch. And they may be doing Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania instead. The arena websites are listing Rousey for almost all of the SmackDown shows leading up to WrestleMania. WWE.com's event pages have Rousey listed for every SmackDown heading into Mania. So this essentially confirms Meltzer's report that Rousey is going to challenge Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Meltzer noted that plans changed and it was decided on Rousey versus Flair this year and Becky Lynch Rousey next year at WrestleMania 39 like I talked about at the top of the show. Rousey is signed on through at least next year's WrestleMania and she will be a regular performer going forward at least on the major pay-per-view events and weekly SmackDown shows. After Rousey left the ring at the end of Raw, Lita walked out and issued a challenge that was accepted by Becky Lynch for the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Lita has been in Rumble matches, multi-women matches over the past decade, and I believe the last time she was on Raw, she beat Heath Slater in 2012. This will be her first full singles match on WWE TV since her retirement match against Mickey James at Survivor Series 2006. Uh, again, it's an indictment to the women's division that WWE hasn't built up any new stars. There, there just isn't any exciting female acts on Monday Night Raw, so they got to go out and get fucking Lita, who last wrestled against Mickey James in 2006 in her last major retirement match. You fucking kidding me? This is just a uh, uh, bump in the road for Becky Lynch to get to Bianca Belair seemingly at WrestleMania. Even that match doesn't really excite me because of Becky Lynch's stale 
and fucking boring character. And Bianca, to me, she hasn't looked the same since losing in 26 seconds at SummerSlam to Becky Lynch. Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Apparently, this has been pushed hard by Charlotte Flair. It was reported that the plan before the Royal Rumble was Charlotte and Ronda. This is according to Fightful Select. The idea for this match has heavily been pushed by Charlotte herself. Fightful Select reported that Flair has been trying to get the feud together for months. Rousey became a priority for WWE once the idea caught on. The other women's title match looks to be Becky versus Bianca. They will start a feud after Becky gets done with Lita at the Elimination Chamber. Rousey is planned to be with WWE for a year, like I mentioned. The feud with Becky Lynch makes sense. Doesn't need to be for the title. No. They could just do the one-on-one match and have Ronda go over, or have Ronda put over Becky, rather. Have Ronda put over Becky, and then goodbye. Go be a mother, have a second child, go live your life on fucking Rousey Acres, the farm, and get the fuck out of here, man. Nobody even gives a shit about her being here now. Why I say that? Go watch the segment on Monday Night Raw. She looked like the fucking Grim Reaper. She looked like death. She looked like she didn't even want to be there. She looked lifeless and soulless. So much so that WWE had to pipe in fucking fake crowd noise because nobody gave a shit about Ronda Rousey. Rousey is planned to be with WWE for the whole year up until WrestleMania in Los Angeles. And now we have to get ready and buckle in for Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. I mentioned this on Monday Night Raw, and I'm going to mention something I haven't mentioned yet here today. The reason why this match is happening is not because it's the most interesting. It's not because they have history. It's not because they have some great plan in place for a great story. The only reason why this is happening is because Charlotte knew if Ronda, or maybe she heard of a, of a, of a rumor or an inkling of a, of a fucking thought that Ronda was coming in, Charlotte heard Ronda was coming in, that WWE was interested in Ronda Rousey for WrestleMania. Charlotte immediately went into attack mode. Charlotte knew that if Ronda came back, that the first thing that WWE management, Bruce, Vince, and everybody else, the first thing that they would have thought of was Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey because that makes the most sense. They have been feuding for a while. It makes sense. Becky beat Ronda at WrestleMania 35. She won the unified Raw Women's uh, Becky two belts, whatever the fuck they did there. Horrible main event. Never want to see anything like it again. But we may be forced to see something like that again because I don't think these two are going to uphold the feud all the way till WrestleMania and really make it interesting. I'll elaborate on that in a second. She knew that WWE was going to do Becky and Ronda. That was the in right there, WrestleMania. So that would give Becky two, two main event WrestleMania matches. Charlotte only has one. So... The thing is with this, Charlotte would never be able to live with herself if Becky got another main event match at WrestleMania. She, Meaning she closed WrestleMania 35 in the main event. She closed this year on night one against Ronda Rousey. Charlotte Flair would never be able to live with herself if that was the case. So she lobbied for this match. She pushed hard for this match. And now Charlotte is looking at a night one Mania main event by herself with Ronda Rousey. God forbid Becky Lynch gets a main event and is the spotlight of the women's division in the main event during WrestleMania 35. God forbid Becky Lynch gets a main event match by herself with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair doesn't have one, right? So now Charlotte Flair is getting what she wants. What does that mean? Are you interested in Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey? Fuck no. Is Charlotte Flair wanting to tell a great story with Ronda Rousey? Fuck no. 
The only thing that Charlotte Flair is interested in is Charlotte Flair. She doesn't give a shit about the women's division. She doesn't give a shit about the women's championship. The only thing she cares about is Charlotte Flair main eventing WrestleMania all by herself. That is it. That is it. So now, with Charlotte Ronda happening this year and Charlotte getting a main event match, now WWE is forced to do Becky Ronda next year. So at that point, we'd be 2-2. Becky would have two main events and Charlotte would have two main events. And also, as an additional asterisk, how's it going to look at this year's WrestleMania when Charlotte is the first main event over Becky Lynch in a one-on-one match against Ronda Rousey? Meanwhile, Becky Lynch is on the undercard in a fucking off match against Bianca Belair for the for, for the plebeians out there. Becky is a plebeian to Charlotte Flair. She's, she's uh, an average nobody, right? I'm in the main event with Ronda Rousey. Look at me. Ha, 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 ha. It's exactly... Why it's happening. Nobody in this company gives a shit about booking a proper women's division. Ronda should not be coming in main eventing shows with Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair should not be prioritizing main events of WrestleMania when she's already been in one. Do you realize the women's division that you are a part of is fucking putrid? The creative sucks. The talent buried. There's no stars. Charlotte doesn't give a shit. Becky doesn't give a shit. Ronda should be coming in to be somebody that accentuates the women's division. Not be the fucking main event every fucking show. Jesus fucking Christ. What happened to Ronda coming to being a compliment to the division? That's where Charlotte Flair's role should be. Complimenting the division while we push a Shotzi and everybody else that should be getting an opportunity. Put as much investment as you do in Charlotte Flair into somebody else. What happens when Charlotte's not here anymore? When Becky's not here anymore? What happens? What happens? And the one thing I wanted to touch on, do you honestly think with the way Charlotte Flair is received by the majority of the fans, great wrestler? Sure. Overrated? Absolutely. Best of all time? Not even fucking close. Do you think that with the fans watching this show and looking at Charlotte Flair, do you honestly think that she's going to be able to to keep up interest with a Ronda Rousey. If Ronda Rousey got the reaction that she got on Monday Night Raw, do you honestly think Charlotte Flair is going to take the balls of this feud and really guide it to WrestleMania and really make it interesting? That's what I want to know. They may be at a point where they fail so miserably with this because nobody wants to see it. And if you do, you're a fucking idiot. Only the E-Drones want to see it. This is an awful match. Nobody gives a shit about this match. WWE may force, because of their own failures to build interest in this match, to add a third party. Bailey, Asuka, Sasha Banks. What's Sasha Banks doing at WrestleMania? If you do Becky, Bianca, and Charlotte Ronda, what is Sasha Banks doing at WrestleMania? Are we going with another Legends match? Are we doing Sasha versus Trish? Are we doing Sasha versus Lita? Right? Are we going to have the Lita World Tour ending at WrestleMania? What, what are we doing? And then at that point, my other question is, what is Bailey doing? Is Asuka coming back? The fact that Asuka is not back is very concerning to its, uh, to its own story. Where's Asuka? If Asuka's cleared and ready to come back, right? How long has she been out? She's been out since well before SummerSlam, right? If Asuka is not back yet, isn't that concerning to you? Seeing how old Asuka is and what WWE's done to everybody that age bracket and gotten rid of them? I I don't know. Is this at any point in the community a talking point? Like, why are you interested in Ronda Charlotte? What does that do for you? What does it do for the division? Does it spotlight the division? No, of course not. 
Well, it doesn't spotlight anything. Ronda was there and did a tremendous job to get the women's revolution where it needed to be. And what did WWE do? They fucking failed. They fucking failed. Becky Lynch came out of that looking great. Soon as that was over, I, we're going to feed her with Lacey Evans. For three fucking months, Lacey Evans, Lacey Evans and Baron fucking Corbin. Oh, my goodness. The women's division didn't pick up after WrestleMania until SummerSlam when Becky and Sasha got involved. God, this company sucks. She's pushing hard for it. Yeah, she's pushing hard for it because it appeases the Charlotte Flair narrative and the agenda of Charlotte Flair. For the women's division, ah, seriously, it could go fuck itself. Awful. Absolutely fucking awful. I don't want to see it in any sense of the word. Backstage news on Ali, Mustafa Ali. Stated on Twitter the day before the Royal Rumble that he didn't want to be a part of the men's Royal Rumble match. Everybody was wondering why this tweet was made. He doubled down on wanting his release from the company that he asked for a few weeks ago. This indicated that there was a pitch made for him to work the Royal Rumble. Fightful Select reported today that there are no working plans in creative for Ali. Although that could change in any moment. It was added that Ali still has well over a year at least on his WWE deal. This was not a specific expiration date, and none of that was actually given to Fightful. Regarding Ali's tweet about the Royal Rumble, the report stated that they were told at least one talent pitched an idea for Ali to eliminate them. And they were posed with a question, this talent, if Ali would even be interested. Obviously, based on his tweet, Ali was not interested. Ali's not going to be interested. I don't think Ali's coming back to work. I don't think Ali wants anything to do with WWE. He's going to stand his ground. But the thing is with Ali, you know, if he if he forces himself to stay home, WWE is not afraid of tacking on that time missed to his contract. He, he may be with them for a, quite a long time. They may be forced to release him at this point. But Ali, the free Ali thing, you know, it, it's still trending. WWE has granted releases to Brian Kendrick and everybody else that asked for their release, right? So why is Ali getting the short end of the stick here? And Brian Kendrick is the is just a recent example. Scotty Tuhati asked for his release. He was granted his release from NXT. Why? I know they don't really have as much value as Ali, but if someone is disgruntled, they should be able to be let go. You can't do it for two people, no matter who they are, and then not do it for somebody else. You're not even using him. You've done nothing with Ali, so why are you paying him to sit on your roster? Are you afraid of him going somewhere else and becoming a star? Is that what it is? Are you afraid of somebody becoming a star in the business? You can't dictate who's a star and who's not. Clearly, you don't have any fucking idea about that in general. So why are you doing it to Ali? Is what I don't get. He didn't want to be a part of the Rumble. I don't think he wants to be a part of anything. Let him go. It's a waste of time and money. And I said this, WWE will probably let his contract run out, hold him off, have him be ice cold, as cold as anything, and then release him a day before his contract ends. Then he's got a 90-day contract to sit out. That's exactly what they're going to do. They did the same thing to Brody Lee. Awful. I don't know why people, I don't, I don't know why there are people that defend this company on social media. Actively, they defend the company. It's fucking ridiculous. NXT. I did watch NXT, but I didn't do a live stream or I, I didn't do a post show on it. I, I didn't have any interest in it. The show was fucking boring. I, I mean, the show was so bad that people are hyping up Wendy Chu doing a fucking sleeping elbow drop on social media. This is how fucking simple minded the community is, man. I, I, I think I'm in a community with a bunch of fucking four year olds. 
NXT ratings, they were actually up. 619,000 live viewers. This is up from the 593,000 live viewers the show did one week ago. 0.13 in the 18 to 49 demographic. That was down from a 0.14 the show did a week ago. NXT was ranked number 39 this week. And last week, it was ranked number 41 in the cable top 150. Rampage. Their numbers were up. Rampage drew 601,000 viewers. 0.25 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. That's excellent for the 10 p.m. time slot on TNT. Last week, the show did 594,000 live viewers and a 0.24 rating. Uh, that was the highest demo that the show has done in its normal time slot since October 29th. Rampage ranked number nine. And last week's show ranked number six in the top 150. So good numbers for Rampage. And Rampage tomorrow night looks absolutely stacked, man. So it should be another great showing for AEW on Friday night. Monday Night Raw. Their ratings were up post-Royal Rumble, as it should be. 1.865 million viewers. This is up from the 1.766 million viewers. The show did last week, 18 to 49 demo. Roughly around the same. This week was a 0.47, up from a 0.46. This show was expected to be up this week because of the Royal Rumble. And Lesnar and Ronda Rousey were there, so clearly it was up. The fallout edition of Monday Night Raw drew an average of 1.892 million viewers and did a 0.58 in the key demo. This was the highest total viewership for Raw since August 30th and the highest demo the show did since November 22nd. The thing is, Monday Night Raw opened up with a 2.083 million viewership at hour one, and by hour three, lost 500,000 viewers as the show went on. I I really, I'm speechless at that. They lost 500,000. They lost as many people as NXT draws every week. They lost an entire NXT audience in the span of two hours. Why is that? Bookended by Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar. Everything else in between, nobody gave a shit about. If Monday Night Raw was interesting. If Monday Night Raw was actually entertaining. And there were some investment in what they were doing there. Monday Night Raw wouldn't be losing 500,000 viewers from hour one to hour three. Something clearly is not right. Or maybe, maybe people are so fucking pissed off at the fact that Brock Lesnar is back. He won the Royal Rumble, gets put into the Elimination Chamber, and you guys are treated like half-witted idiots, only to have Ronda Rousey then come out at the end of the show and have a fucking lifeless promo that put everybody to fucking sleep. Maybe that's why the third hour was fucking terrible. Put everybody to sleep, fake crowd noises, like nobody picks up on that on a weekly fucking basis, man. You're more prone to seeing it now than you did six months ago. Have Ronda Rousey come out, say that she's going to announce who she's wrestling at WrestleMania, only to say to Becky Lynch after a fucking arm drag takedown, I'm going to announce it on Friday. The show sucks every week. Everything in the middle of that show, it goes to show you people don't give a fuck about what's going on. And this is what WWE's conditioned their audience on. If it's not Lesnar, if it's not Rousey, I don't give a shit. They don't put any precedent or priority on building who they have on the active fucking roster. It sucks. It really does suck. Randy Orton wasn't even on Monday Night Raw. Plans for Randy Orton were dropped on Monday night. Why? I'll give you the reason why. PW Insider noted before the Rumble that there was a push to give Randy Orton some time in the Royal Rumble because obviously he's from St. Louis in front of his hometown crowd since he would get one of the biggest crowd reactions of the night. 
That didn't happen. And instead, Randy Orton was only in the match for a couple of minutes before getting tossed out. Dave Meltzer pointed out that Orton was not at Raw on Monday after being advertised for the Scooter segment with Matt Riddle and the Alpha Academy. Meltzer says, and I quote, I, I don't know what's going on with Randy Orton. If you remember last week, the big thing of the scooter race was about how Otis and Randy Orton were also going to have a scooter race. Randy Orton was not even at the show, and he wasn't put in the chamber match either. That's another question. I don't know the answer to that one. I thought it was weird with Orton not being on TV. Also, the other thing is that he was only in the Rumble for a couple of minutes, too. End quote. Randy Orton will be on Monday Night Raw. He's already advertised for Monday Night Raw in this fucking academic challenge, night three with the Alpha Academy. The fact that Randy Orton was in his hometown of St. Louis, Randy Orton can do whatever the fuck he wants. If Randy Orton says something, more than likely it's going to be given to him. Randy Orton probably didn't want to travel to Monday Night Raw. Randy Orton probably went to St. Louis, had a great weekend with his family, at home, in his own home, with his wife, with his kids, being around his fucking normal life. He shows up to the Royal Rumble. The guy went home and enjoyed an extra time away from or some extra time away with his family. He'll show back up to work when he fucking wants. It's not that big of a deal. He wanted R&R at home, and he didn't want to do the scooter segment. And also, you can look at it this way. Maybe he felt like he didn't need to be there. That riddle is good enough to carry the segment by himself. In fact, I would keep Randy Orton off the fucking show next week, too, and continue to build the tease that Randy Orton is getting a little fucking agitated and just over the whole situation with RK Bro. I don't think he's needed there at all. Matt Riddle's bro went missing. He let him down. Randy Orton clearly is going to kind of turn on Matt Riddle when the time is right. And I pitched the split for RK Bro. You know, everybody's saying Matt Riddle should win the Elimination Chamber. No. No. You want to get them to a match at WrestleMania. Fine. Have this be the start of that match. It may be. That may be why we haven't heard an explanation as to why Randy Orton's been off the show. He might not show up next week. Build around it and getting a match because of the split with RK-Bro getting a match at WrestleMania. Have AJ Styles win the chamber. Have AJ Styles go and wrestle Edge at WrestleMania and have Edge win the title at WrestleMania. Have Edge and Randy Orton pick up their feud. Couple of months up to Money in the Bank. Matt Riddle wins Money in the Bank. Randy Orton wins the WWE Championship from Edge. We put over Matt Riddle at SummerSlam with Randy Orton doing the job and making Matt Riddle the top guy on Monday Night Raw. It's a very simple story to tell. That's what I pitched on Monday Night Raw in oh so many words. So Randy Orton missing Monday Night Raw, not that big of a deal. But the fact that Randy Orton and Matt Riddle was always in the cards to break up, we may be seeing that now moving on into WrestleMania season. They were supposed to do the match last year. They didn't want them to break up. They were making too much money. They were selling merch. They were the biggest act on Monday Night Raw, the most overact. So now is the time. Now is the time. Then you can tackle the question, well, who do we replace in the tag team division if we're breaking up RK Bro? We'll worry about that bridge when we get there. And finally, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's coming back to WWE TV. I I don't know who asked for this, but apparently we're getting it. So he added that he is excited what they have planned for him because the company contacted Kurt Angle about a role on television for the next month or so. Nobody knows what role this will be. He didn't provide any details on what the role will be or what brand he will be featured on. So he was backstage at the Royal Rumble on Saturday night. Uh, apparently he was filming content for the for the WWE Network. 
WWE didn't acknowledge any angle appearance at the show. He wasn't mentioned on Saturday's show. He wasn't talked about on Twitter or anything like that. Angle, the last time we saw him, was losing to Baron Corbin at WrestleMania 35. He's been working backstage as a WWE producer, but he was let go in WWE by, uh, he was let go in 2020 by WWE due to budget cuts. Since that time, Angle's focused on his podcast and chicken protein company, Chicken Snacks. I don't know why Angle would be brought back to television. I think Angle is the last thing we need on television for the next month or so. He's excited to see what they have planned for him. Man, you're really going out. That's a real stretch, what they got planned. WWE doesn't have anything planned. And if it is something planned around Angle, I I don't think it's anything entertaining. I mean, I don't get it. Maybe Alpha Academy? Maybe? I don't see how he would fit on anything WWE-related television outside Alpha Academy. Where else would he fit? There's nothing going on on SmackDown that needs Angle's attention, and there's nothing on Monday Night Raw that needs Angle's attention. Why? We got Lita, we got Rousey, we got Lesnar. We don't need anybody else to flood WWE television and take TV time away from what they should really be doing, and that is building new stars. I'm going to harp on that as much as I can because I'm tired of the same shit every WrestleMania season. Let me call up somebody else of the past and get this WrestleMania over. There's nobody that I care to see from the past on current WWE television, Kurt Angle included. Guys, I'm getting out of here. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast today. Let me know what you think of all the top stories down below. Let me know what you guys think of the Shane McMahon story. Sound off the comment section is yours. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. 1,000 likes is the minimum. So hit that thumbs up. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. And go check out Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. You guys get your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Guys, I will be back live Friday night in the venue on Off The Script. We got SmackDown and a very fun-looking Rampage card. I'll be live then. Until then, guys, enjoy Thursdays, and I'll see you live back on Off The Script for SmackDown and Rampage and the live stream post show here on OTS. I'll see you guys later. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.